Chapter Four of Donald Grant. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Devorah Allen. Donald Grant by George MacDonald. Chapter Four, The Town. Donald was queer. Some of my readers will think, and I admit it. For the man who regards the affairs of life from any other point than his own greedy self must be queer indeed in the eyes of all who are slaves to their imagined necessities and undisputed desires. It was evening when he drew nigh the place whither he had directed his steps, a little country town not far from a famous seat of learning. There he would make inquiry before going further. The minister of his parish knew the minister of Auker's and had given him a letter of introduction. The country around had not a few dwellings of distinction, and at one or another of these might be children in want of a tutor. The sun was setting over the hills behind him as he entered the little town. At first it looked but a village, for on the outskirts, through which the king's highway led, were chiefly thatched cottages, with here and there a slated house of one story and an attic, but presently began to appear houses of larger size, few of them, however, of more than two stories. Most of them looked as if they had a long and not very happy history. All at once he found himself in a street partly of quaint gables with corbel steps. They called them here Corby steps, in allusion perhaps to the raven sent out by Noah, for which lazy bird the children regarded these as places to rest. There were two or three curious gateways in it with some attempt at decoration, and one house with the pepper pot turrets which Scottish architecture has borrowed from the French chateau. The heart of the town was a yet narrower, close-built street, with several short closes and winds opening out of it, all of which had ancient-looking houses. There were shops, not a few, but their windows were those of dwellings, as the upper parts of their buildings mostly were. In those shops was as good a supply of the necessities of life as in a great town, and cheaper. You could not get a coat so well cut, nor a pair of shoes to fit you so tight without hurting, but you could get first-rate work. The streets were unevenly paved with round, water-worn stones. Donal was not sorry that he had not to walk far upon them. The setting sun sent his shadow before him as he entered the place. He kept the middle of the street, looking on this side and that for the hostelry whither he had dispatched his chest before leaving home. A gloomy building, apparently uninhabited, drew his attention, and sent a strange thrill through him as his eyes fell upon it. It was of three low stories the windows defended by iron stanchions, the door studded with great knobs of iron. A little way beyond, he caught sight of the sign he was in search of. It swung in front of an old-fashioned, dingy building, with much of the old-world look that pervaded the town. The last red rays of the sun were upon it, lighting up a sorely faded coat of arms. The supporters, two red horses on their hind legs, were all of it he could make out. The crest above suggested a skate, but could hardly have been intended for one. A greedy-eyed man stood in the doorway, his hands in his trouser pockets. He looked with contemptuous scrutiny at the barefooted lad approaching him. He had black hair and black eyes. His nose looked as if a heavy finger had settled upon its point and pressed it downwards. Its nostrils swelled wide beyond their base. Underneath was a big mouth with a good set of teeth and a strong upturning chin, an ambitious and greedy face. "'but ambition is a form of greed.' "'A fine day, landlord,' said Donal. "'Aye, 
answered the man, without changing the posture of one taking his ease against his own doorpost, or removing his hands from his pockets, but looking Donal up and down with conscious superiority, then resting his eyes on the bare feet and upturned trousers. "'This'll be the more of an arms, I'm thinking," said Donal. "'It takes no muckle thought to think that,' returned the innkeeper. "'When there they hang.' "'Aye,' rejoined Donal, glancing up, "'there is something there, and it's arms I doubt not. "'But it's no obbody has the privilege of a knowledge of heraldry like yourself, landlord. "'I'm bound to confess, for what I ken, "'they might be the arms of any one of ten score Scots families.' "'There was one weapon with which John Glum was assailable, "'and that was ridicule. "'With all his self-sufficiency he stood in terror of it, "'and the more covert the ridicule, so long as he suspected it, "'the more he resented as well as dreaded it. "'He stepped into the street, and taking a hand from a pocket, "'pointed up to the sign. "'See till it,' he said. "'Dinna ye see the two red horse?' "'Aye,' answered Donal. "'I see them well enough. "'But I'm none the wiser nor gin they were two red whales. "'Man,' he went on, turning sharp round upon the fellow, "'you're not capable of conceiving the extent of my ignorance. "'It's as rampant as the red horse upon your sign. "'I'll yield to nobody in the amount of things I dinna ken.' "'The man stared at him for a moment. "'I shall warrant,' he said, "'ye ken mare nor ye care to let on.' "'And what may that be o'er the head of him? "'A crest, call ye it?' said Donal. "'It's a base pearl beset,' answered the landlord. "'He had not a notion of what a base meant, or pearl beset, "'yet prided himself on his knowledge of the words. "'Eh,' returned Donal, "'I took it for a skate.' "'A skate?' repeated the landlord with offended sneer, "'and turned towards the house. "'I was thinking to put up wi' ye the night, "'gin ye could accommodate me at a reasonable rate,' said Donal. "'I do not ken,' replied Glum, hesitating, with his back to him, between unwillingness to lose a penny, and resentment at the supposed badinage, which was indeed nothing but humour. "'What would ye call reasonable?' "'I would not grudge a sixpence for my bed. A shillin' I would,' answered Donal. "'Well, ninepence, then, for ye seem not o'ercome with siller.' "'Nah,' answered Donal, "'I'm no that. Whatever my burden yon's no hit, the loss o' what I ha' would hardly make me lighter for my race.' "'You're a queer customer,' said the man. "'I'm not so queer, but I have a kist, coming by the carrier,' rejoined Donal, "'directed to the Morven Arms. "'It'll be here in time, doubtless.' "'We'll see when it comes,' remarked the landlord, "'implying the chest was easier invented than believed in. "'The worst o' it is,' continued Donal, "'I cannot weel show myself wantin' shoon. "'I have a pair in my kist, and another upon my back, "'but none for my feet.' "'There's suitors enough,' said the innkeeper. "'Well, we'll see as we gang. "'I want a word with the minister. "'Would you direct me to the manse?' "'He's for home. "'But it's a small consequence. "'He doesn't care about tramps, honest man. "'He winna war muckle upon the likes o' you.' "'The landlord was recovering himself, "'therefore his insolence. "'Donal gave a laugh. "'Those who are content with what they are "'have the less concern about what they seem. "'The ambitious like to be taken for more than they are, and may well be annoyed when they are taken for less. "'I'm thinking ye wouldna war muckle on a tramp either,' he said. "'I would not,' answered Glum. "'It's the part of the honest to discountenance lawlessness.' "'Ye wouldna hang the poor creatures, would ye?' asked Donal. "'I would hang a wee and mare of them.' "'For not having a house over their heads. That's some hard. "'What gain you as one day to be in want of one yourself?' "'We'll bide till the day comes. "'But what are ye standing there for? "'Are ye coming in, or are ye no?' "'It's a some cold welcome,' said Donal. 
I shall just take a look about afore I make up my mind. A tramp, you can, needs na stand upon ceremony. He turned away and walked further along the street. End of chapter 4